Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, math fans, Jason Marshall, Math Dude, here with your weekly dose of quick and dirty tips to make math easier. Like many people, I was a bit caught off guard when the women's 100-meter freestyle swimming event at this year's Olympics resulted in a two-way tie for the gold medal. And I was even more surprised when the following night it happened again. This time, the men's 100-meter butterfly ended in a three-way tie for silver. How is this sort of ambiguity possible in the modern high-tech world? After all, we humans have developed truly astonishing technologies for calculating teeny tiny intervals of time. So it seems like we should be able to simply use more precise timers and add significant digits to each swimmer's time to break ties. While the math behind this line of reasoning is sound, problems like this in the real world don't always cooperate in making themselves neat and tidy and easy to solve. Which leads us to today's big question. Why is it that these ties in Olympic swimming persist? Clearly, there is no way that two swimmers who tie actually tie to an infinite degree of precision. Certainly, one person must win at least by an itsy-bitsy bit. So why is it that we can't simply increase the number of significant figures and break ties? That's exactly the question we'll be answering today. Before we get into the specifics of Olympic swimming, let's talk a bit about the numbers and concepts behind measuring intervals of time. As I mentioned earlier, humans have the ability to measure time incredibly precisely. In fact, physicists have developed a clock which ticks upwards of one quadrillion times per second. That's a million billion times every second, which obviously is a lot. In principle, this means we can measure time intervals down to the nearest quadrillionth of a second, a time interval which is also known as a femtosecond. In practice, we don't yet have practical timers deployed in the wild that can reach this level of precision. But it's relatively easy to find a timer that can measure time intervals down to the nearest millionth of a second. While that is way less precise than the femtosecond timer, it's way more precise than the timers used in Olympic swimming. Those measure only to the nearest hundredth of a second. But before you conclude that Olympic officials are simply behind the times and unaware of the existence of these new and improved timers, you should know that there's a very good reason they've chosen to limit precision, namely, fairness. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The logic behind why it's more fair to measure time less precisely in Olympic swimming is fairly straightforward. To begin with, the obvious. Swimming pools are not idealized mathematical objects. They are actual objects in the real world that are engineered and built by humans. As such, they are not perfect. 
In fact, if you look closely at the official rules and regulations of how Olympic swimming pools must be built, you'll find that each lane must be 50.00 meters in length with a tolerance of 0.03 meters. Since 0.03 meters is the same as 3 centimeters, this says that each lane must measure exactly 50 meters plus or minus up to 3 centimeters, which is just a little over 1 inch. That means that the length of each lane in an Olympic pool, and thus the distance each swimmer swims, is slightly different. Why do the lengths of lanes differ? The short answer is physics. To begin with, a pool can only be built so precisely. There will always be natural variations in length across the width of the pool due to how perfectly or imperfectly it's made. Making matters more complicated is the fact that pools are filled with water, and this water weighs a lot. Several thousand tons, in fact, for an Olympic sized pool. The weight of all this water pushes on the walls of the pool and can actually distort its shape. And change the lengths of lanes by small but potentially significant amounts. So, why does this matter? How does it relate to the limited precision with which Olympic swimming events are timed? Well, remember, as I said earlier, it has to do with fairness to the competitors. In particular, as we calculated last time, it has to do with the fact that elite Olympic swimmers move through the water at speeds up to about 5.3 miles per hour. And thus, in 0.01 seconds, the smallest time interval measured in Olympic swimming competitions, an elite Olympic swimmer may swim up to around 2.4 centimeters, which, as you've hopefully noticed, is very close to the 3 centimeter tolerance allowed for the natural variations in the length of each lane. The point is that if the powers that be decided to add another significant digit and record times in Olympic swimming races down to the nearest thousandth of a second, they would be measuring differences in distances of just a few millimeters, since that's how far an Olympic swimmer moves in 0.001 or 1/1000th of a second. But as we've seen, the various lanes in an Olympic swimming pool can be not just a few millimeters, but actually tens of millimeters different in length. So, one swimmer might finish a few thousandths of a second faster than another simply because they were in a slightly shorter lane. Obviously, that's not fair to the athletes, which is precisely why Olympic swimming events are measured only to the nearest hundredth of a second. If one swimmer finishes one one hundredth of a second ahead of another, that means they finished at least a few centimeters ahead of that swimmer. And according to the tolerances allowed in building Olympic pools, that means that the winning swimmer in this case finished first because they were actually faster, not just because they were in a shorter lane. In other words, it means they won fair and square. Okay, that's all the Olympic math we have time for today. For more fun with math, please check out my book, The Math Dude's Quick and Dirty Guide to Algebra. Also, be sure to check out the catalog of the other 286 Math Dude episodes. They're all available at quickanddirtytips.com slash mathdude and through your favorite podcast apps. Until next time, this is Jason Marshall with the Math Dude's Quick and Dirty Tips to Make Math Easier. Thanks for listening, math fans. Start your electric journey right here, right now. With a Volvo XC90 Recharge, our plug in hybrid SUV with extended range. For more everyday electric journeys on a single charge, with a hybrid option for longer adventures. 
Contact your local retailer to book a test drive or design your own vehicle at volvocars.com slash US. The Volvo XC90 Recharge Plug-In Hybrid. The electric car with a backup plan.